0: The Future According To, an audio column about future developments in tech, science, society and culture, exclusively on bmw.com. This time, the power of visual arts with Thomas Gerst. Hi, my name is Thomas Skurst and I'm head of cultural engagement for the BMW Group. That's a rather curious title, but I've been in that position for 18 years now. You cannot see me, but you might hear it from a voice that I'm actually smiling, because I do believe that, you know, when you have a 70% overlap in regard to what it is that you do and what it is that you love to do, you have a great job. So um, I would consider myself lucky and privileged to have a great job and to be able to speak to you about the future of visual arts. I'm an art historian, so that's where I come from, by training. And uh, I do write books on the side, you know, when others go out and jog or do sports or whatnot. I'm not judging. Everything is fine. You know, whatever rocks the boat or helps anyone to get through the day instead of just watching, you know, your usual streaming media. I write books because I need a desk and I need thoughts to think about. And this is what I do. So I do write about art historical books. I write about art management and I teach art management in Venice, in Madrid, in Zurich, and also in Munich. And I'm telling you about the books because it leads a little bit into what I want to talk to you about and, you know, about the visual arts and what I think of the future of the visual arts. Because the last book I wrote was actually called All the Time in the World. And it's about, you know, people taking time, sometimes through decades, sometimes through centuries, sometimes through the millennia, you know, there was this French writer, Charles Baudelaire, who 150 years ago wrote that, you know, you can communicate with each other through books, you know, through the arts, through music across decades, centuries, and even millennia. You pick up a book that was maybe written 2000 years ago and still resonates deeply within you today. And I think that is actually the power of the arts and the power of culture on this planet. Because one thing that got me to write this book about things taking time is, is a cartoon in The New Yorker that I picked up years ago. It's actually a little sad, so bear with me. I mean, it's funny, but it's sad. You know how it goes. So there's these two planets and they're meeting. One of them is planet Earth and the other is just a planet. And the planet turns to planet Earth and says, what's wrong with you? You look sick. And planet Earth says, I got Homo sapiens. And then the other planet says, don't worry, it'll go away. You know, the thing is, It will go away. We've been here on this planet as we are today, all coming from Africa for 40, 50,000 years, maybe 100,000 years. I mean, we're only going to implode, you know, with the sun coming closer in like 5 billion years. But how long are we going to last? The world will last. Will we? So while we're on this planet, I think there's a, you can call it responsibility to maybe protect what is beautiful. Because we think about ugliness. You think of ugliness expanding, Always. And when I say ugliness, I mean pollution as well as nationalism. I mean xenophobia as well as chauvinism. You know, it's all these things that we are confronted with every single day. I'm not saying that art has any moral compass or function or anything, but art is something that no other being on this planet can actually do and thrive in, but we can. We can relate to others, we can express that through a brush, you know, through words. And make that last and make other people understand without actually having to have that experience by looking at somebody or experiencing that experience through arts and through the visual arts. And I think that is where the strength of the arts in a way comes from. You know, of course, there's no, let's not fool ourselves. We are a luxury car manufacturer, but our cultural engagement already has a tradition of over 50 years. It's not only catering to those that are our potential customers. Of course, that is always important. But it's also about what do we return to the society that we do successful business in. And that involves what I call corporate citizenship. You know, that is not only, you know, targeting a certain audience that we want to reach, that's not only brand building, but it's also not altruism. You know, it's not Philanthropy, Of course, it has to do with the visibility, with the reputation, with the image of the BMW Group and its brands. But at the same time, it's about creating meaning, creating something meaningful, you know, and not only adding to the bling bling. You know, the art market is a $60 billion business around the world. And of course, you know, we're partnering with a lot of the art fairs around the planet, and that's a good thing. But at the same time, you know, there's so much going on where there's so much money involved that maybe doesn't really resonate deep within us. Because, you know, we have different personalities. The one is the one where we post images of on or, you know, Instagram channels or on Facebook. And the other is what Marcel Duchamp, who I happen to write four books about, you know, the great avant-garde artist of the 20th century, he said there's something called the solitary explosion of man facing himself alone. We all know that solitary explosion of man or woman facing him or herself alone. We know how that feels. That's how the artist in the studio feels. They shouldn't give up what they have just because they want to sell their art or they want to be represented by a gallery. Who says that they have to do that at a certain moment in time? I tell all of my students all the time that on average, one in a hundred will be able to live off their art. So I always tell them, get another job, (laughs) get another job, which is fine. You You know, not fake it till you make it, but get another job and do the arts on the side. Because everybody just wants, you know, to be a lightning. Everybody wants to make an impact right away. And it was the German philosopher Friedrich Nietzsche actually who said, uh, I can only paraphrase one of his poems from the late 19th century. And I tell that to every student, really, in every class. In order to be a lightning, you have to be a cloud for a long time. And I think that's just beautiful because with everybody wanting to have an impact, everybody wanting to be a lightning, we kind of sometimes (laughs) not get it that in order to be a lightning, we have to be a cloud for a long time. So let's, you know, take the pressure off somewhat and just focus a little more on what it is that we want and what it is that we want to also contribute. Because the one thing, and that's the parameters that I wanted to get back at after going on about the art market, which I will come back to, I promise, um, is what Marshall McLuhan said in the 70s, when the outer space program started. You know, he said... Why do we need an outer space program? Why do we need NASA? We are already in outer space. Why do we need to explore it? Let's explore Earth, because we are in outer space. So he coined the phrase of the spaceship Earth. And the one thing is, once we think of Earth not only as a planet, but as a spaceship, something becomes very true, what he also said in this regard. And he said, on spaceship Earth, there's no passengers, there's only crew. Just think about that. If we think of ourselves as crew members and not passengers, you know what what I'm getting at. I'm getting back to what I was saying before. Do we want to contribute to ugliness, whichever way we define it, or do we want to contribute to beauty? And with beauty, again, I don't mean any moral compass. I don't mean something that is just there for aesthetics. It can be something that is really, you know, creating fights and different opinions, for sure. That is what art... Is also about. So now, getting back to where this is all leading to, I think I made it very clear to paraphrase a German philosopher who passed away some years ago, Udo Magwad, who said every future needs a past. And that is something you should always be aware of. I can also use a car metaphor if you want me to, because that's what my job seems to, <laughs> you know, seems to bring along with it. Um, if you drive forward, you have to look in the rearview mirror. All the time, right? That's what your driver's teacher tells you, for those who are 18 who have been on this planet as long as I have been on the job at BMW, who are now getting their driver's licenses, if indeed they still want to get their driver's licenses. But let's not get distracted. So every future needs a past, and we should know one thing, that you know we're all standing on the shoulders of giants. We should never feel alone, because others have been through what we are through through the decades and the centuries. And their knowledge is there for us, for the taking. And I think that is what makes us so beautiful as human beings on this planet. I cannot be anything but optimistic, of course. If we look into the arts, though, it's interesting how the focus is now on technology And I think that's a great thing. I mean, as a technological company, you know, we're also looking into the next amazing things that are happening in the arts. And of course, there's a lot going on in the digital realm. And um, it's no longer just about wielding brushes. You know, it's no longer about, you know, this knowledge that has been, you know, part of painting for a long time. A lot of things also get lost. I think that nobody can paint today as great as, you know, the Renaissance painters painted four or five hundred years ago. But there's no longer the necessity of maybe doing that. Everything has their high time. But now you see a lot of young artists delving into technology. And that's something that we love to, you know, share with and have a dialogue with. Now, when it comes to technology and, and young artists, I always think that, you know, technology is not using the arts, but artists are using Technology. So um, I was actually very happy to be working with the great artist Chao Fei, who um, is a Chinese artist who created a BMW art car. You know, this great series of artists from Andy Warhol to John Baldessari, Jenny Holzer, Esther Malangu, the great African and a Bele artist creating art cars since 1975. So there she was creating an art car, no longer about, you know, turning design object into an art object by painting the surface of a car. You know, she created an app, she created augmented reality, she created a video and music all being part of what she considered her art car project, paying tribute to the latest technologies um, by also making these art cars available, all of them in augmented reality through an app that people could download. You know, we were creating an artificial intelligent masterpiece by feeding an algorithm 5,000 artworks of the past centuries to then be projected onto a car. And At the same time, it was interesting to see what we are capable of as human beings and how we can toy with this idea of um, creating an artificial intelligence masterpiece. But the one thing I think that was really a great paradigm shift is that we brought art into the car. You know that hadn't happened before, and Chao Fei, the same artist who had created a BMW art car, we approached her again to create something that she called the Quantum Garden. You know, it's actually rather beautiful and intricate. Um, it's all these color lines and it looks like faraway galaxies, all almost breathing with each other and and delving into each other and creating new circles and cycles of. Life and energy that is free flowing on our latest displays within the cars. I was so scared, actually, I have to say, scared that somebody would beat us to this. But with us having been active in the arts, and when I say us, I mean the BMW group for 50 years, um, I thought it was great that we would also be, you know, the first ones to bring arts into the car. When it comes to what is really happening right now with the arts and the paradigm shift that we are seeing of course the non-fungible token comes to mind yeah the nft that everybody's talking about it was just yesterday night here at a local um, museum at the Haus der Kunst, where, you know, the president of Christie's was discussing with the gallery director of Berlin, you know, what NFTs are all about. And of course, we know that they translate into non-fungible tokens. But what NFT stands for, I have my own definition, I would call it uh, neoliberal futile trash. You know, (laughs) I just think that NFTs, you know, they are in the red hot center of a late capitalist art market, where I just think, Why? You know, I'm not a gold digger. I'm interested, as I said, in meaning and not so much in surfing the next wave. So um, I would just advise, you know, younger artists to delve into what has been done before, to not only seek fame, you really have to feel it deep inside. You know, of course, when we talk about the visual arts and the future of visual arts and whether the visual arts have a future or not, Much has to do, of course, with the artistic output, with the artists themselves, but at the same time, you know, with those that are looking at art, with those that are buying art, you know, that doesn't only have to be companies or the government in support of the arts, that could also be you who's listening to my very voice at this very moment, because you could become a collector. You know, maybe you're put off by galleries that you go into because you don't know who to speak to and, you know, the prices are not uh, right there on the wall. But, you know, you can buy art. You can hang on the wall what is of interest to you, what is kind of resonating within you, not because you want exactly that same artwork that your best friend maybe has at home, but because You get to know the artist, maybe at a fair, maybe at an academy. You know, every museum director that I speak to around the world makes it very clear that when it comes to an audience, not only those collecting, but also those that basically are, will be responsible for the future of an institution such as a museum, is that this audience needs to be less affluent and certainly more diverse. Now, here I'm preaching to you as a white, middle-aged European male, <laughs> so that is, um, that is a given. But at the same time, you know, I truly believe that the Eurocentric view of things, for example, you know, that I grew up with is slowly giving way to a much more complex, much more heterogeneous perspective that takes into account other narratives. That is what I mean when it's so important to delve into other people's minds, that we broaden our horizon here and that I do believe that there will be art. Marcel Duchamp also said the great artists of tomorrow will go underground. And he said that in the 60s, the great artists of tomorrow will go underground. That art is something, contemporary art is something that we might not even, you know, understand or see it all because a lot of it is happening far from the trodden path. And I do think that if you are interested in the arts and you're interested in your pursuit of what can be something that is of importance to you. You might come across things that nobody else might have heard of. So this is what I mean when we broaden the horizon. This is what I mean when I say, let's open this one up as much as we can. I believe the future is female. That is how I was brought up by my mother. And I do believe it's high time that the future is more female because if you look at museums, you know, there's so many chief curators, um, so many women art historians. But when you look at The gatekeepers and the club of those that are running the biggest museums around the world, it is still mostly men. I'm running as a man the cultural engagement of the BMW crew. But at the same time, I think we are responsible for looking into a future that is, as I said, much more diverse and takes into account, you know, the global repercussions of what it is that we do and allow other discourses that will us make all the more richer when it comes to our inner landscapes as well. So this is basically what I meant to share with you, because I do also think, or I don't want to believe what Udo Kittelmann, who was the director of the National Galleries in Berlin for a long time, and now does a lot of shows for the Brada Foundation, for the Borda Foundation, together with a co-author, four years ago we published a book called 100 Secrets of the Art World. And we asked collectors, artists, writers, art historians, gallerists, everybody, what is your secret when it comes to the art world? And Udo Kittelmann said, I'm afraid that art will reach its limits because it will have lost its magic. And that kind of was saddening, but I I want to say, I said I'm an optimist, so I want to end up on a positive note. I just think that we should heed that advice, regardless whether we talk about 2000 the year 2220 or the year 2022 that the only journey that is worth undertaking is the one that is taking us deep down within ourselves and that is sometimes the most scary place to go to but it's also the most adventurous and um so i would say be adventurous and don't think so much about the parameters of how you would you know define success so i do think that the visual arts have a great future ahead of them and if we can accompany the arts and the artists on the side of bmw you know with journeys that we take them on with projects that we want to collaborate with them on then you know i think we've done our share to really not only protect but to also celebrate what makes us beautiful human beings